Imagine what would happen if you came across something, something that you not only connected with, but also recognised the potential for filling a real need in the world, one that might not only change you, but also spark societal change, something that might make the world a better place. What would you do with that discovery? What would be your wish? My wish would be that everyone has access to coaching, good coaching, in whatever that means for them, in terms of coaching moving from being something for the few to something for the many. Welcome to the Curious Coach Podcast. So buckle up as we travel around and explore the world of coaching. Here's your host and professional coach, Stephen Clements. Recently, I had the pleasure of interviewing Tracy Sinclair. Tracy is an executive coach, coach trainer, coach mentor, coach supervisor, and so much more. And if that wasn't enough, Tracy also serves on the global board of the ICF. In our conversation, we talked about her own journey from working in the financial services industry by day while supporting drug and alcohol addicts and their families as a counsellor by night. How she then discovered coaching, her own beliefs and thoughts around the potential for coaching to really impact societal change, right through to her writing a book that aims to bring the new ICF competencies to life, and so much more. I really enjoyed this interview. The depth, the richness, and in some ways, how passionate Tracy is for the coaching profession. Evangelic is a word that pops up during this interview, and it does seem very fitting. So, without further delay, let me hand over to Tracy to introduce herself. Uh, well, I'm Tracy Sinclair. I'm a professional coach. I'm also a, a mother and a wife in my other uh, roles in life. I've been coaching for 15 years. I've been aligned with the ICF for 15 years. And a big part of my professional world is working with the ICF as well as on my own business. Prior to that, I had... I've had a professional development business for about 20 years now. And prior to that, I worked in financial services in the corporate sector. Mm. And I suppose I'm really curious about that journey from financial services in the corporate sector into your own personal development business and then into coaching. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, um, I I guess in some ways, even though I have, um, you know, I had quite a long career. Uh, in financial services and very grounded in therefore the corporate sector alongside all of that uh, period of time I was actually also working as as a therapist for uh, uh, patients and clients with addiction issues so 
I think if I had my study life over again, I'd have gone straight into psychology rather than into business. But I went into business, uh, into business work uh, studies rather than psychology. But um, so not a long, long time ago, I still continued with studying and study counselling skills and then a therapy diploma and ended up working very specifically with drug and alcohol addicts. So in some ways, I sort of had a bit of a double life for quite a few years in that I was working in a bank during the day and supporting drug and, al drug and alcohol addicts and their family members in, in the evenings. So in some ways, it doesn't surprise me that I ended up moving more into coaching. One of the reasons I stopped working as, a, as an addiction counsellor was that unfortunately it's 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 a tough it's a tough environment um and the reality is is that many addicts um don't don't recover and rehabilitate very well and i found in those days i wasn't i hadn't developed my skin if you like to be able to not be affected really by some of the things that were around me we didn't really have supervision so much when I was working in that environment. And so I found myself just really quite emotionally impacted by some of those stories. And so I stopped. I very quickly started to move my own work more and more into professional development and really focusing on how people grow and thrive. Uh, my background in corporate services was, or in financial services rather, was very much in large scale change programs and project management. And I had been a specialist in process design, but realised that actually where my heart was, was really in the people, people that are needed for effective change, not so much just about the systems or the processes. So it was, and I never really. Even though I was in the corporate environment for quite some time, I, I wouldn't describe myself as a corporate person. Um, I never really felt quite at home in that environment. Maybe because one of my big drivers is I like to do my own thing and I like variety and um, don't really like other people telling me what to do. So I set up my own business in the end and really set up a leadership development organisation. And coaching, where coaching came about was, I was at a conference actually, probably, I don't remember the year exactly, it was probably around 2003, 2004, because I was, in fact it was 2003 or 2004, because my children were born, I have twins, they were born in 2003, and when they were about a year old, I was starting to think about going back into my business in a bigger way again and and wanted something new so I was going to different events and conferences looking around to see if there was some new training I should do and I was at a conference where there was this chap talking about coaching and he told a story that always stayed with me which was that coaching was not invented by a group of bored people in a coffee shop who were scratching their heads, deciding what to do. 
he said that coaching had emerged naturally within society and within practice in order to meet a need in the world. And I thought, gosh, you know, I, I was just always struck by that. It sort of grounded me. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And it, it really did link in my mind back to the work that I'd done in counselling, where I suddenly thought, because I'd missed doing that work, I really had, even though it didn't really feel like that particular area was for me. And I thought, wow, there's this thing called coaching. I'd not, I'd not come across it before. And that was it, really. I, I did some training as a, to, be, to be trained as a coach. And pretty much from that point, my work really very quickly started to evolve away from the broader spectrum of leadership development that I'd been doing, increasingly towards coaching. You know, where coaching started out to be a small bit of what I did, it ended up being all of that I do. <laughs> so so it's it's fascinating. And now my business, I would say, is I don't only coach. I mean, I do I do a lot of I've probably got 12 jobs or something that make it all up. But it's all it's all coaching related now. Yeah. And I suppose I'm curious in terms of that. Need of coaching in the world 15 years ago when you were starting out what what was that need that you were helping the world with back then well gosh that's a that's a big question that's a great question and i'm just i'm hesitating because i don't want to sound too evangelist about this but i guess that is how i feel is I've, I've had a sense for quite a long time that something is missing for people, that, that people, society has changed a lot. And I'm not just talking about the, the, the technical or the digital revolution. I'm, I'm talking about changes in society that may have been quite subtle to begin with, but have become more marked over time. Things like you know, less people getting married, more people getting divorced, you know, there are less family houses being built now and much more one bedroom flats being built, people living longer, but not necessarily always having a longer quality of life. Sometimes people struggling with their value in the world as they get older. You know, then things like with the pensions crisis, people's older life not being the way they had thought it would be. And then right to the other end of the spectrum, this all the talk about, you know, and the label of the millennials, who are these different creatures almost that they're positioned as, you know, with such a different set of values and hopes and aspirations. And even things like you know, just the changing, and I'm not, I wouldn't say, I think I'm a very spiritual person, I wouldn't say I'm particularly religious as such, but I, you know, just the change of almost as though religion has become more of a source of angst and wars rather than something that people gravitate to for community or for support. And I'm sure that's just, you know, that may be just my experience, but it's just, it just seems as though for a long time, 
society and the human race have been a little bit lost I suppose if I summarize it like that just been a little bit lost and I think coaching so even back then I think coaching for me I, I, I just somehow connected with this idea that it would meet a need and because coaching is so very much focused on really saying what what do you really want who do you really want to be it probes our desires our hopes our dreams it explores our beliefs and our values but it also challenges our thinking and 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 challenges or invites us to take up full ownership of our lives and who we are you know so i don't think coaching is necessarily an, an easy ride but i think there's something about engaging in that process of self-reflection a little bit more thought i mean i sort of want to say the word analysis but that sounds a little bit geeky in a way but it but it is it's a sort of is an analysis isn't it in a way of that of really thinking about really thinking about who you are who you want to be what's important to you what what do you think is important to you that maybe isn't so important and and all of those things and i i just think that if if everyone were to do a little bit more of that and had the access to be able to do that i think the world could be quite a different place mm-hmm. isn't that such a lovely sentiment well it's my sentiment i mean that's how i feel it's that is how i feel about it and as i say i don't i don't I'm not trying to um, be an evangelist necessarily about that. Um, I'm probably quite understated about it most of the time. But but that is what drives why I do things. I do, I do believe that coaching has the power to do that. And when you started out on that journey where coaching was a small bit of your business and then grew over time, I suppose, how have you grown? over that time as well and was, was it a aha moment when you discovered coaching or have you grown and evolved to that um, passion and drive now about how you are evangelic about um, coaching and also the, the profession? That's a good question. I think it's been a little bit of both. I think I think there definitely was an aha for me. Um, and I know a lot of people that engage in coach training have one of those. <laughs> it's quite often the bit you didn't bargain for is the personal aha. And I did have that. And but and what for me that was specifically about was and I, I almost felt I can remember almost embarrassed when I had this aha was that I actually realised just how much more in charge of my experience I was than I had thought I was. Um, that I, I, I sort of, again, I mean, I don't mean to overstate this, but it, it sort of felt as though I woke up. You know, I, I blinkers came off or someone pulled, pulled back a, a curtain or something and I realised, do you know what, actually your own experience or my own experience is is as a result of what I do, how I am, what I think, what I feel. And actually I'm more in control of that and more in charge of that than I realised. 
And I think it's this old adage of, you know, I don't know, if I was to say to you, you made me cry or you made me angry, I I, I suddenly had this realisation that actually it's not people making those things happen. It's me responding or reacting in that way and so that that was the bit for me that of all of the other things that was the very bit that was the turning point or the light bulb in my mind that actually the one thing I am in charge of is how I think and feel um, now that sounds, you know, it's very easy to say, of course. <laughs> it's very easy to say, and I'm not trying to say that I've perfected this uh, this uh, mind control, but I know it to be true for me, and I can't now not know that. And so I think that that was the aha. In fact, that a real interest in me of the things that I'm of all of the aspects of coaching and and coaching psychology that I'm interested in it's beliefs people's beliefs and belief structures that I'm quite drawn to and I find them almost like a an interesting tangled web you enter into together to try and tease out these beliefs and how might they be reframed in a better way so I'm quite quite interested in that so I think there was that sort of aha and then over the over the years, I think I've I've just kept coming back to how can I how can I engage with that more and more, you know. And I, as I say, I'm not saying that I then was 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 changed for the rest of my life because I still struggle with things and I'm challenged by things just like everybody else. But knowing that. Re that realization for me has actually been a, a huge resource because I even when I'm really really seduced by the idea of feeling miserable or stressed or whatever a little voice will remind me and it just helps me to to sort of ground myself again hmm. I suppose I'm also then curious around that in terms of over those years growing as a coach, what's been the, the standout learning moments for you as you, you know, the, those inflection points where you've, you've had that shot of momentum and, and, and realized you've, you've grown and worked towards that mastery of the craft? If I just look at my natural personality, I'm quite a logical, structured person. And I'm also a be perfect. And so I know that my initial drive when I started to become, when I was first, you know, developing as a coach was very technical, you know, was to get a real technical understanding of what the competencies are and how you're supposed to evidence them and all of those sorts of things which is partly in a way what I think helps me as a mentor now to up to others to help I'm I'm quite you know if I was if I was going to say I've got a skill I'm quite good at really understanding what is the theory or the technical 
um, aspects embedded within the you know the concept of coaching and the competencies. And so in the early days, I was really grounded in that, and I thought it's a little bit like any skill. You know, how can you become? If I think about languages, so one of I, I in in a previous life, I was actually a translator and an interpreter in English and Spanish. So if I liken this to uh, compare this to learning Spanish. In the early days, learning Spanish for me was all about how can I perfect the accent? How can I get the grammar correct? But I know I'm in the right tense, the right gender, that uh, I've got lots of vocabulary. So it was very much around the technicality of getting something right. I can remember my Spanish teacher actually saying to me, Tracy, the day you know you're fluent in a language is when you dream in it. And I thought, gosh, that would, you know, what an interesting concept. And, he, and, he, and, and his, his reasoning for that was because you go beyond the competence. You, you're, you're doing it in your sleep in that you're just being, your, your whole being is, is operating in Spanish rather than English. And so it's something that you tap into intuitively um, and much more fluidly rather than thinking about, you know, have I structured this sentence correctly? And I think exactly the same thing is the case for coaching is that there's a point, there's a phase in coaching where you're really trying to get it right. Is that a powerful question? And I need to ask another powerful question and I need to do this. I have to do that. And then there comes a point where you have to just let all of that go and feel it feel feel your way or sense your way through the piece of work you know and I'm not again not saying I've perfected that <laughs> although the be perfect in me is desperate to do so of course but um but but that's the that's the challenge isn't it I think that's the challenge is is to have all of that knowledge that's under the surface that the rigor the technicality that you know all of that it's there and then use that as a platform to fly you know to to just go or dance as we call it don't we in coaching we might call it the dance and so that and that that is what I think I mean I don't actually like the term mastery very much if I'm honest I think I think it's a dangerous place to be if one thinks one is a master, then that could lead to all sorts of things that are not particularly helpful. So I'm not I'm not overly keen on that term. In fact, I was on a on a retreat a while ago that was supposedly a mastery retreat to sort of develop masterful coaching. And on the group, we decided on the first day that none of us liked the term mastery. So we called it mestery instead. <laughs> <laughs> but, so the mysterious it was yes all right it was mysterious mystery we called it but I do think you know whatever that thing is that's in that domain of mastery I think um it it's about there always being a solid grounded platform on something that is known to work is 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 scientifically backed up and and is a is there's a level of technical competence but you're not consciously operating from that place it's there but it's under the surface because what's happening is is a what could be 
quite a mysterious dance, but it's an informed one. Yes. And can you remember what helped you then fly for the first time, having developed that base, that foundation, and then being able to let that go and just fly and trust yourself? I think there's a couple of things probably that come to mind. Part of it is that I realised at some point, I can't quite remember when, I think this may have actually been around the transition from ACC into PCC coaching, if we're going to ground it in sort of credentials, that actually if you do stay very much in that level of technical competence, your coaching may not be as good as you might like. You know, it's almost as though the the original aspiration of being technically competent at something actually is missing the mark a little bit if you if you just stay there. And it's the same thing with the Spanish. When I first went to live in Spain, I'd already studied Spanish. I'd been studying Spanish for about eight or nine years and thought I was fluent. You'd think, well, goodness, after studying for eight years or more, you'd think you were fluent, you'd think you were good. And yet when I first got to Spain and start, and was living there, the first few weeks were just overwhelmingly difficult because all of this so-called knowledge that I had just didn't work because I wasn't fluid. I wasn't fluent. I wasn't able to just be with the flow of the language. And I think it's exactly the same with, with coaching is I realised that if I just stayed at that level, that's a great place to get to, but it's not, that's not the end. <laughs> you know, then there's this whole other world of, I think, I think that whole other world is then about letting go. You have to trust yourself, trust, you know, we talk about this, it's a bit of a cliche, I think, but it's real of trust yourself, trust your client, trust the process. I, I do think that's true. And that's been something over the years that I think I've, you know, gradually grappled with. Plus also the knowledge that you could have a, a coaching conversation that you would say, my gosh, that was just amazing. You know, we were both flying together. And then the very next day you have a conversation that was just as clunky as it was 10 years ago. So it's not it's not a straight line is it so this this development into coaching I think is there there needs to be a recognition and 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 an acceptance that you're going to anyone is going to be going backwards and forwards in their in that learning process but hopefully overall you you do go forwards (laughs) you know you do go forwards in the end yeah and I suppose what's coming across for me is your own passion for the profession not just developing yourself as a coach who's flying more and uh, trusting yourself but also helping the profession as a whole we've crossed paths now a number of times you know I had the pleasure of you being uh, my coach mentor as part of the diploma and now with supervision training and I think that's a big chunk of what you do at the minute is helping coaches and the profession become better and I suppose I'm, I'm wondering what's where's that passion and drive coming from for you 
yeah I mean I think I think you're right I think mentoring supervising teaching are big parts of what I do as well as just you know actually coaching people and that does link to one of my one of my early professions was to be a teacher translator interpreter in Spanish so I've always had something in in me that's gravitated towards teaching or training and a big part of my corporate career has been trained leadership training so that's a that's a very comfortable domain for me it's I enjoy that and I I hope I'm reasonably effective at it she says without minimizing <laughs> um so so why now why do I like to do that one of the things I, I think that knowledge and education and learning are really really important and maybe I don't know maybe this comes a little bit from my family background is my my family background is one that was very working class and I was the only person in the whole of my extended family who stayed at school beyond what would now be called GCSEs. In fact, most of my family didn't even do those. And so I've always thought that the opportunity to study, the opportunity to learn, grow, develop is an amazing thing. And it, it, I think it only seems to work if it's, if it's exchanged and shared. You know, we don't, I don't think we can grow and develop in, in a vacuum. So anything I learn or know, I just want to tell other people about it. You know, I'm not, so I, I, I sort of think of myself as a vehicle in a way. I'm not, I'm not always, I don't, I don't always engage with this idea of being a subject matter expert myself. You know, I didn't create the coaching competencies. Someone else did that, but I can, I can be a vehicle for teaching them. That, I think that's really important is that the growth is by the movement of knowledge, information, experience and, and, and what does someone sharing something with you, what does then that trigger in you that is helpful to you? So it's, for me, it's the process, the movement of ideas, catalysts of thoughts, sharing of information. So that's the bit I'm quite passionate about, actually. That is why I teach or train is, is because I love that part of it. And I then learn as much as anybody else. And I think that also is what drives my involvement with the ICF, actually, is, is it's part of an exchange. I've learned so much about coaching in a broader sense, the development of coaching, the evolution of coaching, how it's being used around the world what the opportunities and threats are and all of those things. And if I can be part, if I can be one of those pebbles in that pot of pebbles that's putting in a little bit and it's all moving, I like that. Mm. And thinking about being one of those pebbles and sharing what you're learning, you know, if, if, if I understand as well, you, you're currently putting a lot of effort into a book to share what you've been learning around the, the competencies, the, the new ICF competencies, which sounds like a lot of effort. 
Um, I, I can only imagine you know, that's not a small part of what what you've been doing. Um, that that must take a lot of a lot of time and energy to to be putting into to something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for those <clears throat> for those who are listening who have written lots of books, then I am in awe um, because this was my. I've done I've done some smaller pieces of writing, some e-books and some articles and things like that. But this was the first, you know, big grown-up book. And oh my goodness, I mean, it was a baptism of fire. And I had a complete love-hate relationship with doing it. The hate was just my consistent underestimation of how long everything would always take and battling with my perfectionism around it a lot of times, which I've had coaching on. And the love was just this amazing opportunity to express and share and contribute something and for me the goal of the book was was really to try to bring the competencies to life to actually take the new framework that we've got what those words are on paper and say so now let's look, look at what this actually means what what is behind these words and and what is it that we're really doing not in a technical rigid way you know a formulaic way how do we actually move from that into really getting it into our muscle and being able to to fly? I really enjoyed that part to share anecdotes and stories and metaphors and experiences, sharing observations from my own coaching, but also sharing observations from the role I play as a mentor or an ICF assessor and a supervisor. I've got I've been very lucky to hear lots and lots of stories about what's worked for people, what hasn't worked. Um, so the book, the, the book is 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 really about taking the competency framework and really bringing it to life in a way that's practical and accessible, turns it into real layman's terms, it said, so that hopefully people will say, ah. I get it. You know, that's that would be my dream that people read it and say, oh, so that's what is needed. That's what it's about. So that's my hope. And there's also another part of the book that then talks about different schools of thought around psychology, psychological models. That was also really exciting to do. Very, very developmental for me as well to research different schools of thought that you can then see underpin the competencies the coaching competencies and you then realize ah that's that's why that that task is so important because you then understand psychology behind it a little bit again hopefully done in very accessible ways so there's sort of these two halves well well it's in three pieces really there's the competency piece bringing that to life there's the understanding of some of the psychology that sits um, and underpins the competencies and then there's a very practical bit around just different tools or approaches models techniques very practical for for coaches so yeah it's been huge <laughs> it's been a huge piece of work I, I i'd say huge is probably an understatement um and it sounds like it'll be a fantastic resources for coaches when it becomes available what is the timeline on it being published and going out into the world? 
the timeline it's a little bit volatile at the moment with everything that's going on in the world right now but hopefully it will be out in the autumn if if not september then october time that's what we're working to at the moment so hopefully we'll be ready then i'm really excited about it and has it a confirmed title yet yes so the book is called becoming a coach the essential icf guide fantastic i certainly look look forward to to being able to read that later in the year thank you and is this the start of your your book authoring journey are there more books in you after this do you believe oh my goodness who knows i mean yes i'd love to i love i do really enjoy writing i have to just really understand for myself and accept the time and space that's required to do it to do it justice and do it well as i say i'm in awe of people that seem to just turn out books <laughs> almost as though you've just made a, a, a nice hot dinner or something and there's a new book has appeared and so i i don't know quite what will be next but yes definitely there are several topics that i would like to write on and the main topic in my mind that i'm starting to research and pull together is is around coaching and social impact so if if i could pick my next thing to write all things being equal it would be it would be around that yeah uh, and i suppose social impact is probably very relevant today you know given we're recording this in just coming up to easter and the world is a very different place than it was a couple of months ago with covid and a lot of uncertainty and everything else going on and i suppose you know how are you finding the relevance of coaching i suppose at the minute to what people are going through Mm. yeah i think um there are some different experiences that i'm noticing in terms of trends that i'm hearing from people in the communities that i'm tapping into in some in some cases one might argue that coaching has lost its relevance because some some clients i'm hearing are of the mind to say do you know what the last thing i can focus on now is my coaching because there's so much else going on and and so i'm hearing stories where a lot of coaches are having you know multiple cancellations where their clients have just disappeared what i'm also noticing though is that those clients will then sometimes come back it's almost as though you know, I guess with any process, human process that we go through, there's an element of shock. And I think people in various ways are in a state of shock, potentially, with regards to what's going on, certainly in crisis mode, having to just get together or get to grips rather with what's going on for them in the here and now. And maybe while people are in that state, they, they don't feel so open to engage with coaching. But one of the things that I'm noticing myself and I'm saying to other coaches that I'm connecting with is keep in touch with those clients because, if anything, the, re- the irony is, I believe, that coaching is probably more valuable and needed now than ever before. So how could we connect with our clients to be open to how coaching conversations could be slightly different at the moment? You know, maybe, maybe, maybe what's it has less relevance is not so much the coaching but their original or previous coaching goals might not feel so relevant right now but that doesn't mean to say that a coaching conversation couldn't be incredibly supportive i i think one of the things i'm noticing at least in my own clients that i'm working with is 
to a large extent, not completely, but to a large extent, their, their pre-existing coaching goals are either on the back burner or are reframed given the current situation. And in many cases, what's, what I'm noticing is really valuable is that coaching gives people an opportunity to just say, how, how do I assimilate all of this? How, how will I, in my circumstances, whatever that might be, how do I ground myself within this chaos to find my way through? And I think that, I mean, gosh, that's got to be a valuable conversation, surely, hasn't it, you know, to anyone? Mm. So that, that is the value that I think coaching has right now. If everyone, imagine if everyone that's going through all of this was to be able to have the opportunity of some time with the coach to say, how shall I navigate this? What does this mean for me? How can I ground myself? How can I tap into what I need to get through this? Wow. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, that would be transformative. I think so. I mean, well, yeah, definitely. I suppose I'm just conscious of time. I, I, I feel I could talk to you for hours and hours, but I want to be respectful of the time that we have. This might be a big question to maybe start to finish on, but in terms of that social impact of coaching, what is your, what's your wish there? Yeah. When I think of the social impact of coaching and my wish, I think about food. There is more than enough food in this world for everyone to be well fed and yet it's not distributed in a way that means everyone is well fed and some have too much and some don't have enough so I believe that there are enough resources for the whole world to have access to coaching it's about the distribution so I my wish would be that everyone has access to coaching good coaching in whatever that means for them, in terms of coaching moving from being something for the few to something for the many. And I do think that that then potentially has implications for the commercial model of coaching, the financial model of coaching. We're already starting to see some very different pricing structures coming through in coaching but I don't believe that it has to mean that the value of coaching is devalued if you like I think the value is still there how can there be an, a better distribution of the funding for it so that it becomes more accessible to communities and organizations that really really could transform as a result of it and that we then get the societal impact, the ripple effect of coaching. And I think we're starting, we are starting to get there. And if anything, a, a crisis like this with, with coronavirus that we're experiencing could actually be a huge opportunity for coaching to catapult itself almost into that space. I, I just hesitate with it. I mean, much as I absolutely support and I'm hugely humbled by and respectful of all of the pro bono coaching activities that are going on I'm 
trying to mobilise some of those myself within my community. So I think that's that's beautiful that people are doing that. But I also think that we won't change the world if we only stay with a pro bono mindset. Coaching has a value and the people that offer coaching have a value. Question is, is how can that value be shared to the many in a way that everyone feels value, that it's an equal contribution almost to everyone or a fair contribution let's say it might not be equal but a fair contribution to everyone yeah i suppose i'm I'm struck by how coaching is still in its infancy it's still relatively young and it sounds like a disruption could be due between the circumstances as you say the value increasing and also the role of technology and the model of coaching moving forward may all play a part in in helping that wish be realised. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're you're absolutely right, Stephen, that artificial intelligence is at play, the democratisation of coaching is at play, the regulation of the profession of coaching is at play. I mean, there are many, many moving parts to all of this that of course is then not consistent around the globe so it's a very it's complicated it's it's complicated but I do think that coaching will find its place it is still evolving and changing but I I go back to the coffee shop story coaching is here for a reason it's not just some passing invention to mitigate boredom there is a there is a reason why coaching is is part is is a way of leading, working, communicating, etc. To use that cliche, we're on a journey with it, and it's the journey is definitely not over. And uh, yeah, I think I think the journey is definitely not over, and if anything, only just beginning. So on on that note, unfortunately, our our time is over. So I'd just like to say a, a huge thank you, Tracy, for your your time today to talk. And uh, to wish you well on on all those, on the endeavours, the continuing book journey and uh, the start of that, that road and everything that lies ahead for you. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you very much for the opportunity to talk. It's been lovely and uh, I wish you well too. I don't know about you, but I feel inspired having listened back to that interview. I love the openness with which Tracy shares and the depth of her thinking in how coaching really could make a difference to the world, bringing about societal change. To have it available to everyone and not just a few. Thank you, Tracy, for giving us this wonderful gift today. And for those listening, I hope you find this conversation as rich and engaging as I did. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you'd like to share please don't hesitate to get in touch by sending me an email to stephen at stephenclements.ie and that's Stephen with a PH. Full details of this, along with show notes and all other podcasts, can be found on my website at stephenclements.ie forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening, and in the meantime, stay curious.